Welcome to the Recruitment Flex with Serge and Shelly. I'm Serge. And I'm Shelly. And we talk all things recruitment starting right now. Welcome to the Recruitment Flex. I'm excited to introduce my co-host, Shelly Billinghurst. And Shelly, I still haven't come up with a nickname for you. Well, I have to say, I think our guest today has the world record for nickname generation. So with no further ado, I will introduce our... And knowing Shelly, she actually researched that before she said that. <laughs> I did, actually. One um, of them have to, Jesus. <laughs> we have joining us today, Chad Sowash and Joel Cheeseman, and they are co-hosts of HR's Most Dangerous Podcast, Ooh. The Chad and Cheese Show. That and was very yes. surge. That was very surge, how you said that. Was it? Yeah, and geez, yeah. It? You know how he tries to go into the really sexy radio voice? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. No, but seriously, oh, no. Joel, I think yeah. you do hold the world's record for nickname generation. When I listen to you guys uh-huh. rattling off the ratings uh-huh. or whatever for your fantasy football thingamajigger, whatever it is, I could not be Someone less Someone call Guinness and somebody pour me a Guinness at the same time, <laughs> if that's it, a record. Do you have an app or something? Like, how do you come up with all these nicknames? In his sleep. I'm just, just a genius. Oh I'm full of worthless knowledge. He has a lexicon of, of 80s. I'll give you, I'll give you a quick story. I'll give you a quick story. And this okay. probably won't be the last time I mention my Canadian wife in this podcast. My wife is a little bit bewildered by my useless knowledge and my ability to name where like basketball players went to college is pretty good. And she'll just randomly say like, where did Russell Westbrook go to college? And I'll just be like, UCLA. And then the day after that, I forgot my mom's birthday. So she's like, how in the hell can someone who knows where Russell Westbrook went to college forget his mom's birthday? So and that's, legit, huh? that's a little sense, bit yeah. about my brain and how it works. I can't wow. explain it. It's just something I've I've been able to go with for 51 years. Well, after listening to the podcast, probably for the last five years, it makes a lot of sense now. <laughs> the good news is there are a lot of people who love useless commentary and it works for us. Thank yeah. God. Thank it, God. Well, there is so many people that listen to you that obviously what you're doing is working. Oh, say more. I loved you guys talking about the, your Spotify results. Congratulations. That is Thanks. super impressive. Wow. Yeah. Kelly, so have you it, seen ours? I sent us. Did you? I saw it? ours. Yeah. Impressive. <laughs> really, really impressive. Like, Chad and Cheese should be really worried because we're. No, covering. I don't. I think we got a few years to chase behind you. But yeah, some really impressive results. Holy cow. For the record, oh, Chad, Chad's the one that shares that stuff because he wasn't hugged very much as a child and needs uh, the, the dopamine hits on I'm, social media. Got to thank our fans. Members. I mean, somebody needs to thank them. You're not going to. <laughs> and you have lots. Please and like me. Please love me. Please. Well, guys, please. wanted to bring you on the show because 2022 was a crazy year in talent acquisition was also a crazy year in just the world of work. What I'm going to want to do this episode is kind of what I think some of the biggest stories, and then I'm going to get your viewpoints on it. Most of our audience is recruiters. We'd say mm-hmm. 95% of people listen to us are recruiters. And one of the things that we talked a lot at the start of the year was how many recruiter jobs are out there. If we look at the start of the year, there was 206,000 jobs for recruiters just in the U.S. This was not even across the world. 
And now all the layoffs that we're seeing, recruitment is deeply affected. From January to September, we saw a 50% drop off in recruiter postings. So Ouch. question, I'll start with you, Joel. What's your thought? That's a lot of listeners that we lost last year. <laughs> yeah, yeah no, that's they, they didn't have anything else to do. They were listening. <laughs> they got real jobs. Are recruiters yeah. fucked right now? And are they going to be fucked for a while? The answer is yes, but the also answer is that it is a cycle and the cycle will come back. A lot of these recruiters will go get sales jobs because they sell for a living anyway, and they'll go work for Salesforce or a car lot or something. Maybe they'll come back. Maybe they won't. So the answer is yes, but not so much to your question. This is just how it works. And there'll be college grads that come out and go, oh, there's a recruiting job. I don't know what that's about and, and getting recruiting and some will leave, some will come and go. We aren't doctors. We don't get a degree after seven years and that's what we do. This is a very fluid profession. Shelly, you've been in recruiting for a long time and you've mm. seen these cycles. Do you agree with that? I do. I think what I found interesting though with this huge demand for recruiters at the start of 2022 and what we saw happen in other parts of talent acquisition because the demand outstripped supply. So that meant people who were getting hired as recruiters, I dare say a lot of them had no business ever being called recruiters. They had zero training and they just went at it with trying to cut down a tree with a butter knife. And throughout the year, I thought, okay, what's going to happen when we roll the clock forward here about six months and these companies have now hired what they think is recruiters, but they're not. There were so many people brought onto the market and called recruiters, but they didn't know what they were doing. I wondered how much of an effect that had on ghosting. What do you think, Chad? Yeah, I think we saw a ton of irresponsible growth, which led to bloat, which then leads to thinning of the herd. So yeah, Joel's right. It's a cycle, but the cycle is just nothing but bullshit in trying to drive shareholder value and excite VC. And then you get all of these organizations who get these huge lumps of money that double and triple in size. And the next thing you know, oh, guess who's thinning the herd by 40%. We get on this, Joel talks about the dopamine hit. It is a drug that as soon as we get funding, we have to go through irresponsible growth. That's exactly what happens. And then bloat and then the thinning of the herd. So yes, that's the cycle that happens. But I think when it comes to recruiters, I agree 100%, Shelly, that you have all these people that came in that really didn't have a passion for recruiting in the first place. They heard that they could make a pretty good dime, possibly. Found out that, well, if you're a shitty recruiter, you didn't. And they're going to find greener pastures somewhere else. So, yeah, I think as long as we continue this irresponsible growth, bloat, thinning of the herd, we're just going to continue to see this. This is normal. That's why we've got to start looking at the companies that we go to more often, as opposed to these crazy, secular, stupid, irresponsible companies. It's crazy. It really is. How do we get off this hamster wheel where we're the canary in the coal mine? The minute that the economy gets rough, recruiters get laid off. But when the economy starts picking up, we're the first hired and always put in a position that's almost impossible, right? Here's a new job. You have 150 recs and good luck. Like, how do we get off this hamster as wheel? As soon as Jeff Bezos figures out how to replace all recruiters, we'll be off the hamster wheel. So let's give it 10 years. I don't know. Do you think we can I'm replace just throwing recruiters? That out. No. And not, no. Look, Amazon wants to, and a lot of bigger companies want to. There'll be a reduction in headcount because of automation. I don't think there's any question about that. Look, 
the best of the best will remain recruiters. The ones that aren't will go do something else ultimately. It's about sustainable growth. Once we get there and people understand it, then, you know, but we're looking at an organization like Amazon, where in some cases in the United States, they've actually burnt out the entire population. Okay. So that's not sustainable. Again, what we've seen since the pandemic through this entire crazy cycle that hopefully we will never see again is different points of light of where, you know, we've gone wrong in business capitalism, whatever the hell you want to call it. So there are tweaks we need to make. Interesting point. In January, Amazon had 4,200 roles for recruiters by far leading the pack of job postings. As of this morning, I couldn't find one. I'm sure there is, but I couldn't find one on LinkedIn indeed. So it shows you the massive difference of what's going on. And Chad, to your point, I think a lot of tech companies thought this was never going to end and 2021 was going to be the reality and it got hit hard in 2022 that it's not. But this yeah. brings me to the point, and this didn't start this year. So this started in 2021 when we talk mm-hmm. about the great resonation. In 2021, we had 47 million people voluntarily resign from their job. Numbers were pretty high this year, but we saw a big drop off Around August seems to be when the trend completely changed. Also, when we started seeing layoffs. Chad, I'll jump you. Is the great resignation over or are we still in the middle of it? First and foremost, don't jump me. Second. I want to say that. Second. Master. (laughs) I can speak for the data that I pulled from the U.S. And the data that demonstrates that, no, it's not over. They're actually more monthly quits in 2022 than there are in 2021. So it's still happening. And I think we should stop calling it the great resignation. And it's really the great job swap. We're just jumping back and forth because there is participation. Participation's there. Participation is high. So what we're doing is we're just swapping jobs. It's incredibly amazing that if people had representation out there. And I think that this is a union conversation. The conversation would be much different, especially around collaboration instead of supply chain shortages and inflation. Again, this is a systemic problem. Well, is this going to be a problem forever? Because the average lifespan of an employee now is 2.7 years at a company. So we are going to go through this for the foreseeable future. What's your take, Joel? I think of it more now as the great reshuffling or reshuffling. So the pandemic said corporations take a side. You either work from home 100%, you're going to come up with some weird hybrid thing that apparently hopefully works for everybody, or your ass is back in the office. People that were in one box that wanted to be in another box went to that other box. Some people are having buyer's remorse. They want to go back to the way they were. There are studies out now that say work from home people actually work more hours than people that work in an office. So there's going to be that whole dynamic with people, but everyone's just figuring out what environment do I want? Where do I want to be? And we're in this whole reshuffling thing about where do companies, where do they stand? Where do employees want to be? And it's going to take a while for that shuffling to work itself out. Companies will change direction because they'll say, well, this didn't work for us or the quiet quitting is now the loud layoff, which means corporations are more in control. So this whole thing is Again, very volatile, but I think the resignation, the hiring freezes and the layoffs should tell us that a lot of the great resigning is less voluntary and a little bit more mandatory than it was in in 2021. Well, job seekers' priorities have changed dramatically this year. And what's your take on that, Shelley? So 
Chad, you said earlier in the year that the labor market would correct itself. I was really surprised at how quickly that happened. Certainly job seekers who had great skills, they were in high demand and they really could say, no, I'm going to quit and go work somewhere that gives me more flexibility. I think that the great resignation was just that. It was like, I have had enough, you know, after being in lockdown and chance to reevaluate what's important to me. I think the one thing that is going to continue that I've certainly heard since early in my recruitment career, like 95 and 96, they were talking about the war for talent. And it was all this talk about baby boomers retiring and what was going to happen. It was this big prediction. And then roll the clock forward even 20 years, like in 2018, it was still like, where's this big war for talent? Well, it took a pandemic. And now we're seeing not just a resignation, but people retiring at 55. But I don't think they're just retired. I think they're going on to do something else. I don't think they're sitting at home or going golfing all day. We're seeing numbers here in Canada that are staggering. People retiring in their 50s or just going on to do something else. We just need them to get to Thank you, Universal Healthcare. Thank you. Get out of here. Oh, my God. Just Is there a... Is there an OnlyFans page dedicated for seniors? Why do you look at me when you ask me that? Why why do you look at me on that? Because he knows you have a membership. That's why. (laughs) You know what I've said? Sorry, Serge, ask your question. I I got triggered there. No, it wasn't a question. I wasn't looking at you. Mm -hmm. Do you think there's a seniors only fan page that's dedicated (laughs) for just people over 55? Grandpa bods or something? Yeah, yeah. Grandma bods. You're a Moving sick on. Beast. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> Next question. Well, you guys haven't found my Feet Finder first account, so we'll <laughs> wrinkles and rolls. <laughs> so the great resonation. I think you all hit on key points. One of them is relocation as well. A lot of people actually moved. I don't know if it was the same in the U.S., but we saw it in Canada where people actually moved to a land in Canada, New Brunswick, Nova Scotia, got an influx. And what type of jobs and how they're looking for jobs has changed completely. Have we seen a big relocation in the U.S. as well? Chad? I think you've seen across all boundaries of relocation, going to remote. I mean, again, it all depends on the person's lifestyle and where they are in life. Like Julie and I, for God's sakes, we've been working from Portugal because we can. Again, we have that ability to. Where Joel is in Indiana and he has to podcast from Indiana. He is in an entirely different, you know, time in life than, than I am. He's not drinking beer and on the beach. Seriously, Chad, how did you manage to pull that off? You're so young, yet there you are traveling the world. Was this like a life plan for you and Julie? Uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a life plan. We just got together about 12 years ago. So I would say it was over the last decade. Yes, it was pretty clear. That once we found partners that we could actually do something like this with, we we made it happen. I, I truly think about this lifestyle that you've created mm-hmm. and thinking, okay, there's my goal. I want Chad's <laughs> life. I appreciate that. That's awesome. So Chad, Joel just mentioned quiet quitting. And just to give you a little bit of history, quiet quitting was a 2022 thing, at least the term itself which actually originated from TikTok. What's your take on quiet quitting? Is it a real thing? It's total, complete bullshit. We heard this term on TikTok and then it was ripped out and used as a way for controlling bosses who wanted people back in the office to say, oh, look, we have these quiet quitters. And some people 
have always prioritized having a life and only working 40 hours a week instead of giving employers free overtime, a term which, you know, was coined by employers well before the pandemic as calling them B players, people who prioritize life over work. So in my honest opinion, that was also a very twisted management campaign, but it was a much better management propaganda campaign than quiet bullshit quitting. I have a lot of good points there, but I think we're demonizing the people that well, that's what work. I do. Yeah, well, <laughs> people that work a lot of hours and actually want to move up in a company. Joel, what's your take? I don't think most people even know what the hell it is. I had a debate with point. someone the other day that thought it was, well, I just stopped working because I work from home and I'll eventually just get fired. So I'm quietly quitting. I don't think a lot of people know what the hell it is. It sounds cool. It sounds TikTok-y. Quiet quitting sounds scandalous. So what I've heard now is it's being replaced with loud layoffs because the people that aren't working more than 40 hours a week are the ones that are getting axed. I don't know. The media needs something cute to talk about. They need some mm. buzzword, some nice little phrase. And quiet quitting had its time. I think it's time to retire it, frankly. I don't think it ever had much legs. Well, Shelly's yeah. been quite quitting the podcast since we started. So what's your thing? So not true, Serge. I've stepped up my game. It's just hard to keep up with you. I said from the beginning that this was really nothing new. I worked for just over five years for an employer who had two unions and then, you know, people who were out of scope. And I remember it was referred to and always has been referred to as work to rule. So when you've got a collective agreement in place, individuals can work 51% of what's required of them. And I would say unionized white collar workers, it was very common because you really were trapped in the unionized world. You have very specific things you're supposed to do. And if you work 51% of them, you can't get fired. Kind of like what you said, Chad, it was the media thing that was used to hype up something that's really always existed. People disengage from their job or stuck in a job that they hate, and we can now hate our jobs from home. Yeah. Well, and to be clear, if you want to work to live, that, that's great. But if you want to live to work, that's great too. So I'm not demonizing anybody who's working. That's your own personal decision. But when companies start taking those things and pitting employees against other employees, then that I call bullshit. Well, I think we can all agree that no one really gave a fuck about quiet quitting except people <laughs> like us that want to talk about something. This stupid uh, shit. But one topic that everyone cares about because it affects people dramatically, especially knowledge workers or people that work from home, is the return to the office. In August, we saw Airbnb come out being like, hey, we're going to be remote forever. Then basically a week after we had Elon at Tesla say, you're coming back into the office. And obviously we know what's happening at Twitter right now. So question for you guys, to use your words, Chad, are we just slow boiling the frog? Eventually, two years from now, are we going to be in the office across the board or are we going to get so much pushback from employees that it's not going to happen? I'll let you start, Chad. Yeah, I think. Employers are trying to boil the frog, but again, I think this is an A players and B players kind of discussion. People who want to work before life, they want, you know, more work. They want to drive. They're the A's, let's call them. They're going to follow a cult leader like Elon Musk, while other people who believe in living life instead of work, uh, it's more important for them. They're going to follow a guy like Brian Chesky. So I think, again, they're going to find 
the cult that they want to be a part of, the tribe that they want to be a part of or what have you. I don't think any of these are going to go away. I just think that the discussion and the choice is going to be much clearer for the individual. They're going to know that company is going to do X, Y, and Z, and that one's going to do ABC. I know where I should be going. Well, the data is showing that 20% of the jobs on LinkedIn yeah. that are remote are getting 50% of the applicants. So, Shelly... <laughs> Are we no, no word on how many of those are bait and switch, by the way? Fair enough. Fair enough. But I think there's enough data point from LinkedIn and Indeed that these jobs are more attractive to people looking for jobs. Yes. Shelly, what's your thoughts? I do worry that when you've got the big trendy in the press kind of companies like your Google or the big five in any industry, whether it's technology or accounting. So the smaller firms, like the next layer down, point to them and say, well, if they're going to do it, we'll do it too. I guess looking back over 2022, I was surprised at how short-lived it was. Like there was really big, bold statements about you don't ever have to come back. You can work from anywhere. And then the whole debate around, well, if you were in San Francisco and now you're in Ohio, we don't have to pay you as much. I'm very surprised at how quickly that fizzled out. I'm hesitant to say whether this is going to have a long-term effect other than to say smaller companies look to those bigger ones as kind of a bellwether. What should we be doing? When in reality, I don't think somebody who would work for Twitter would necessarily want to work for a small startup, right? But there's different types of job seekers who really would never want to work for somebody like that. And then there's those who it's their life's goal. It is their goal in life to work for a company like Twitter. They're all about the brand. Those are the same people that also wear name brands and big gaudy Burberries across their chest or their shirt. Why do you look right? at like me it's when you all say about that. the brand. You're wearing your own face on your chest. <laughs> He's wearing his own branded t-shirt. Yeah. He wears his own merchandise. That's yeah. impressive. I don't wear my face. I wear Chad's. Chad's face. <laughs> Keep him close. Joel, if we look at CEOs right now, most CEOs are either boomers or the later generation X. And partly is they feel very comfortable with people being in the office. As we're seeing a switch of leadership going down to generation X, in a lot of cases, millennials, do you think mm -hmm. how we think about working from home is going to change more dramatically five, 10 years from now as a new guard takes over the leadership, which they feel different about working from home? Yeah. And eternally, it's the old guys who invest in these companies and really make the decisions. But generational conversations aside, I think that companies are going to try to have their cake and eat it too. Believe it or not, I have been employed before, like a real job. And the policy at this company Shop. was take however much time you need for vacation. You know, like Sucker. need a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. You know what happened? Nobody went. Nobody took vacation because if you took vacation, you look like a slacker. You look like you didn't care about the company. You, you were like quiet quitting. Okay. So nobody took vacation and it sounded great on paper. I'm sure in the interviews, like you can take as much time off as you want, man. That sounds great. I think companies are going to have a presence. They're going to have an office. Look, they're looking at a lot of leases that they're still paying on that they hate, right? So we want to have people back. We want to be able to say, look, you can come in or not. The ones that are the best employees will be able to do whatever the hell they want. The ones that I'd like to fire someday are probably in there trying to fight for their, their lives, right? For their job. 
Those are people I can like shuffle in and out. I still want to be able to hire anyone in the world that I want, the best players in the world. So I think companies are going to evolve into like, we have a presence. You can come in whenever you want. There's no pressure, which ultimately means you better come in the office if you're worried about your job. So those people are going to go back to the office. The ones that are A players can do whatever the hell they want. If I'm 45 and have kids and I don't need to, or I'm stable, like I won't. And in fairness, someone who's 25 that doesn't want to live in a studio apartment 24 hours a day would like to come to the office, would like to socialize and go to happy hour. Those people will be able to do that. My answer is I think companies will prefer to have everything that they want and that the best ones are going to like evolve into that state. The startups that don't either have money or want to be flexible will be work from home all the time, but the established companies will get into this everything vibe where you can come in whenever you want, but if you really want your job, you should probably come in. Yeah. If we can't yeah. see you, we don't really yeah. believe you're working. Yeah. yeah. Or if you want promoted, you might want to come into the office. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with it too. The next 10 years are going to be fascinating to see what actually happens with everything we talked about today. 2022 was a doozy of a year. I think doozy. extremely doozy. The Canadian term. We don't exactly. do the butter knife to cut down a tree, but we do say doozy. From time to time. Yeah. So I want to jump into 2023 because I think it's going to be a crazy year. What I want from you guys is one prediction that's going to happen either in the world of work or focus on talent acquisition. And Joel, you're just chomping at the bit. So I'll let you start here. Am I? Okay. Yeah. I think that pay transparency is going to have a moment in 2023. I think that we're seeing the seeds being planted We've talked about Indeed saying, hey, if you don't put a salary range, we'll just put one in for you. We've seen governments here in the US, like in New York, say that you have to start putting the salary in job postings. Well, a couple of things happen, although there's some initial pushback on that. Number one, the quality of candidate is like where you want it to be, right? You're getting people that are in line with what you want to pay for the job, which is good for time management if you're a company. The other thing is, it actually supercharges people to get back in the workforce if they haven't before. A lot of people, believe it or not, don't know what a job pays for what I would like to do. If people suddenly know what jobs pay, there's more of an interest in actually trying to get that job. And I think that is something that the data is going to start showing in these cities, which I think is going to spur more governments to follow New York's lead, more job sites. It's just going to be good practice to put the salary range in your jobs. And we've never traditionally done that. Historically, it's not something that we've done. That's going to ramp up really quickly that people are going to embrace that and and really give some thought around what the salary range is, not put one to a million, like really think about what we're going to do. And it's probably going to also help align internally what you're paying people, which is probably a good thing as well, which you may have to pay people more because they deserve more. But We call that good manners in America. Any chance that this will become a federal law in the U.S.? No. No? No. Why not? Florida, Texas, Arizona, Indiana. I could go on. But the short answer is there are too many states where they're opposed to that. Okay. That it won't happen. We're a dysfunctional group of people. We are as well here in Canada. So you relate. (laughs) Well, Chad, what's your take? Us more than you don't like being told what to do. And those states in particular don't like yeah. being told what to do. Uh, pay transparency? No, what's your prediction? prediction? What's your prediction? Okay, so 
I believe in 2023, get your notepads out, kids. I believe we're going to see the first real crack in Indeed's armor after forcing pay per application start into the landscape before anyone is ready in 2023. We are finally going to see a firm stand by recruitment marketing firms focused on vendor diversity and not an all eggs in one Indeed basket strategy, which is what we've been doing for years now, which means responsible plans for future growth of the industry. This will finally be a Jesus take the wheel moment as we see a major shift away from the Indeed empire. Major shift. Or chink in the armor, because those are two very different things. Well, the chink in the armor is going to be the start of the major shift, Joel. Okay. Okay. So start Sandra, and major that's my, shift. That, that's my claim he's, point. He's dancing on both sides of the issue, guys. You so should Chad, really push how, him on that. How will I measure this? Should I look at Q3 earnings in 2023, Q4 earnings? Are we going to see a shift in revenue? How do we know they're hurting? I think you take a look at revenue, number one. And you also take a look at competitors' revenue. So again, as we start to, and we had Jim Durbin on the show earlier this year, and he talked about, again, not having all your eggs in one basket and being very responsible about looking toward the future, right? And not really being held hostage, which most of these organizations are, these recruitment marketing firms are as well, being held hostage by one organization. We'll see a little bit of a, let's say, trickle down, hopefully, economics of uh, money going to these other organizations. Shelly, what's yes. your prediction? So I believe we are going to see the start of the rise of women in non-traditional roles. And the reason why is really what you talked about, Joel, is pay transparency. And if there really is pay transparency and people really do understand what you can earn in this role. The other part of this as a society, we're really ready for this with all of what has now become normalized around different genders, different roles, respect for different lifestyle choices. I think it's the beginning. I'm not saying in 2023 we'll see like a big tidal wave of it, but I believe that pay transparency is what is going to kick it off. That's something we've always struggled with women driving trucks or women in tech, I do believe this is going to be the start of women in non-traditional roles. So are you saying we're going to see more women bricklayers? Like, where are you talking about when you talk about non-traditional roles? Drivers, tech, is there a particular subset of the economy that women are going to get a lot more into? Well, I think that's, that is the stereotype, is construction and bricklayers. No, I'm talking about non-traditional roles, even you know, when you think about tech, why is it that there are so many men in tech and so few women? And I've been part of these. They would come to the universities or even junior high schools and have, you know, four girls only think about careers in STEM. But now we've got a, a higher participation rate of women in post-secondary, and they are starting to realize what we should be paid, not what they were traditionally paid. Lawyers get in one generation we've seen more female lawyers than we'd ever seen before. And most of it, I think, was because a legal assistant would make more than a female lawyer. I think that's going to change because of pay transparency. Trucking companies are targeting nurses to become drivers because so many healthcare workers are burned out on their job and mm -hmm. trucking sounds nice to a good number of them. 
Do they have a monkey that comes with the truck? They sure as hell radio. should have a monkey. Damn it. <laughs> BJ and the bear. <laughs> yeah. Did you guys grow up with BJ and the bear in Canada? Absolutely. No. Jason Burt Reynolds with a monkey in the passenger seat. Smokey with... the bandit. Yeah. I did teach Smokey and the bandit. I was like free. So yes, I remember. Jason. Yeah. They was hauling Coors beer. In Canada, so, it's a grizzly bear. It's not a monkey. What about you, Serge? Well, I do want to give you my prediction because I think the world changed last week. My prediction for 2023 is AI. And before you scoff at AI, after seeing chat GPT, I was blown away. I think it's going to change so many jobs, especially software developers. If I'm a copywriter, I'm not sure I'm going to copywriting school anymore. Not saying this will replace copywriting, but it basically makes everyone's job so much easier. And there's so much that we're going to be able to do with it. After looking in depth of what AI can actually do, and this is the first real program that puts it in a functional way that is interesting and actually delivers good results, I think AI is going to be 2020. What are, what are, the, what are the headlines around that, Serge? Is it a newspaper X lays off half its workforce because it's been replaced with chat GPT? What do the headlines look like in your mind? It's not happening in 2023. I think we're going to need to figure out <laughs> what isn't this it... predictions for 23? <laughs> yes, it's a prediction okay. that it's going to change how we do work, but we're not going to see the impact of it till 2026, 2027. And I do think we're going to see layoffs, but I think we're going to see the better functionality of how we do our job. It's going to create new jobs that don't exist, which is a cycle of the economy, right? As new innovation comes out, it just changes everyone's job. So maybe short-term layoffs, but if we look 10 years from now, it's going to be net. It's going to be a different way we do our current job. Do we see a startup in 23 that writes job descriptions based on this AI? God, no. Oh, I think we I already we are do. seeing it. There's already companies that are leveraging this technology to There's, write. No job one's launched that says we rewrite job descriptions specifically. I think that's going to happen. I think it's going to happen a hundred percent. There's yeah. still going to be shit though. Like it's still a big issue. They'll do it, and they'll oh, get I, they'll get ten million dollars, Series A, and they'll be off to the races. I think we're going to see it from the bigger players just kind of added in as their product mix. We're going to see like a smart recruiter add that functionality of, hey, you can write a job ad right from this portal that we have, put the key points in, and then you get a job description. Prediction winners for 23 are podcasters because we get to talk about this crazy shit. Yes. Is there going to be more recruitment podcasts in 2023 or have we hit the limit? Like there's no more players in this game. That's it's going to happen. It's going to happen. I mean, but, people continue to, to create podcasts day after day, but they're going to go away as fast as they come. So this is like blogging 15 years ago. Yeah. Good blogs came out. People realized you can make a living or get speaking gigs or write books. And like, okay, I need a blog too. So then all like the BC players started a blog. And then all the companies go, oh shit, we can get search results and we can get social media shares. So the next wave of this is going to be all these companies are going to start their own podcast. Many of them already have. Already have, but, yeah. But we've gone from like the real OGs to the wannabes to like the corporate following. And then yeah. it will crash at some point. Yeah. We've already seen companies, these startups start 
podcasts that have already died. Yeah, it's just good. It's a, it's a cycle. It'll continue. This will actually be our 200th episode when I release Ooh. this. So we're getting up there. I think you guys are probably over a thousand, right? Close to a thousand. There you go. We're going to catch up one day, 15 years from now, because you guys are getting pretty old. You'll have to retire. <laughs> uh, so I'll just take the lead, right? Be training the AI to keep the yes. show going after we die. <laughs> That's right. Because they already know exactly what you're going to say. We're scraping yeah. all the content yeah. from our industry, training our AI to put our spin on it with our voices, and we're going to do it in every language in the world, and it will continue when we die. Already have our voices cloned. Yep, already ahead on this one, baby. Oh, by the way, I could not stop laughing listening to your French accents. It was great. <laughs> what did your wife think, Joel? She was impressed with, well, creeped out a little bit as well, but pretty impressed with how good it was. Yeah, I was, I was blown away. I was very impressed. I made fun of you guys, but it's very impressive. What are your plans for the podcast in 2023? Anything big coming out? We have big things that are coming out. You're just going to have to wait. No scoops. I mean, we're middle-aged yeah. white men. It's not going to be that crazy. It'll <laughs> stay pretty much the same. But yeah, we have to put it out there like we're going to blow you away <laughs> with new shit. The challenge for us is one of us want to do this and the other one being like, I need a nap. Can we pull this back a little bit? We got a pretty <laughs> good sure, thing. Let's not I'm throw sure, a grenade. I'm in sure you, can, just, you yeah. know which one wants to take a nap. Yeah, I've got a guess. But guys, I really appreciate you coming on. I think it's Thank you. Uh, a lot year. of fun uh -huh. getting your insights. And I look forward to listening to you guys in 2023. Thanks. Thanks for coming. Thanks, Sir. Bye. Thanks, Shelly. Hi, my name is Sara, and I want to tell you about my podcast called Can I Offer You Some Feedback? I'm a business consultant and executive coach with over 20 years experience in change management, leadership development, and naturally providing feedback to high performers. My podcast is for those of you who have a complicated relationship with feedback, whether giving, receiving, avoiding, or seeking. Feedback is essential for our development. In each episode, you'll hear from real people across industries with their ideas, perspectives, and best practices on feedback. I'll also be sharing business bites with you, simple explanations of organizational tools, management techniques, and leadership philosophies that will help you and your businesses thrive. You can listen to Can I Offer You Some Feedback on your favorite podcast app or learn more at evergreenpodcasts.com.